listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We welcome in my guest, Clinton Yates, co-host of The Intersection with L. Duncan on Thursday nights on ESPN Radio. You've seen him around the horn. You've seen him and read his work as a columnist for The Undefeated. He's all over the, the ESPN multiple platforms. He's Clinton Yates, and he joins us here on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Clinton. What's up, gang? And by the way, don't sleep on my man, Dominic, who's going to be knocking in runs for the Mets as well. That brother yes. can really mash, and he's been working on his game in the offseason, so I want New York to know that. Dominic can play. That young brother is really going to make his move, I think, this year in the bigs. And so, you know, we're looking forward to that. Clinton, let me tell you something about this young man that has impressed me. We jumped on him a couple of years ago for missing practice. (laughs) And then what he did was he slept in the clubhouse (laughs) to make sure that he was there on time. And since then, he has turned things around. He's really... If they could find a spot in the lineup, imagine the Mets looking for talent, right? If they could find a spot in the everyday lineup for him, man, he would be great. He's really improved. Let me tell you something else about him is that he is a, you know, a dying breed of player in the big leagues, which is the black everyday ball player who's right. not a superstar. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And yeah. a guy like him, high school draft pick who came out early, worked his way down there through St. Lucie with the current manager, obviously, in Luis. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. he's a perfect fit for the kind of guy that has no reason not to be, not necessarily in the lineup every day, but he's daggone sure going to be playing every day. You know what I mean? Um, between the positions he can play and his bat. Love Dom. We're rooting for him. Yep, definitely are. Clinton, I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of items, especially in the nation's capital, because I know you're kind of familiar with the Washington area. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Kind of of familiar with the Washington area. First of all, what's been the talk there that Washington's National Football League team finally changed their moniker? You know, it's a couple different things. I think it all happened so quickly in terms of when FedEx and Nike got involved that a lot of people were just plain shocked, you know, Mm -hmm. just on a basic level, whether or not you agreed with the name change or whether or not you were a person that had been not necessarily in protest, but just kind of in, you know, just non-participation about that kind of stuff. And on top of that, the strangest thing was, was that I feel like a lot of people, and I got a column coming out about this pretty soon, but there's other news that you know might be delaying that, is that I think a lot of people really came to a reckoning with themselves because as much as they knew that it was terrible, they were still linked to something that they could not get rid of. And so for me, I'm like, dog, you got to change the colors. This is obvious mm. because the link from the colors to the nickname is so clear that if you only shortcut it by changing the nickname to something that sounds like the old name, well, then you're not really doing anything because people are going to show up in all their old gear and they're going to find a reason to say the old name because it sounds like the new one. So there's been a second reckoning of people who I'm like, yo, really, why did you want this to change so that you could continue to be who you are without having any repercussions about the political so-called or social ramifications? Or did you really actually think that the misrepresentation and the parodying of Native American peoples was something that was wrong? I think most people are in the former category and not the latter. And that's been a very oddball thing for a lot of fans of that football team or just people in that area to confront each other with. Yeah, because, you know, it's funny when when we look at the uniforms, we don't we look at the people in the uniforms. We don't judge the people. There are guys. We don't we don't even care about the name. The name has been there for 87 years, Clinton. So it's just, OK, that's the way it is. So I do know in talking to some folks from the nation's capital, too, that I know they don't want it to be red, white and blue like the Capitals, like the Wizards, like the Nationals. What colors would you change it to? 
That is the problem, though. I do want it to be red, white, and blue like okay. everybody else. You okay. know what I mean? And not because I think that's cool because I'm a big uniform guy, but if you're going to move away from what the problematic color scheme is, dog, there's one right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It fits in well. And people do that. You go to Caps games, people got on their Nats gear. You go to Nats games, people got on their Caps gear. I like that. I think it's kind of cool. Pittsburgh's been doing that for a while. It's a mm-hmm. nice little thing to pull off, especially if you can keep the name within the, you know, the framework of everything else. I don't see why that's a problem. You want to call it corny, you want to call it hokey, that's fine. But to me, it's still just sports. You know, that's part of the fun part is that everything can represent everything else. And that franchise has been so on the outside. Culturally, socially, never mind success. Reminder, they suck and have sucked for 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, and so for me, it's like, why would you not want to depart from everything that's been what was? At this point, it doesn't even make any sense to hold on to those memories because they're not as good as people think. And that is the reason why I'm so adamant about this. I was there when they were last good. My first foray into the NFL was when my dad got off the list, the waiting list four season tickets for that team at RFK stadium. I went to every single game of the 91, 92 season, including both playoff games, just not the Super Bowl. I was 10. I remember anybody younger than me. I don't know what y'all remember because wasn't that happening. You know what I mean? And so what are people holding on to? I just don't get it. If somebody like me who knows and saw and was there and influenced by the best case scenario, this franchise has ever had is willing to let it go. I don't understand why other people aren't either. I really don't. Clinton, did you find it, interesting that several former members of the team said that just by changing the name doesn't change the memory and some of the things that went on with that franchise um look i don't want to get too far down this road because i feel like the former players on this team are a large part of the reason why this name has not changed Mm. dan snyder bought this team because he was obsessed with a certain generation of players on this squad you know what he did in order to prevent them from being able to say anything in the political climate Basically, he hired them all and paid them to show up so that they would have to shut up, you know? And I don't blame them for that. NFL guys got to make their money wherever they can. But if you go to the D.C. area, former players on that team for the Burgundy and Gold are stars. They are influential people, not just in the public, but also in the media. And so if you've gotten everybody through all of your stupid licensing deals and all this other crap that dominated the D.C. media, you've gotten everybody basically hush money to not talk about it, well, then – you know, I mean, it's obvious what you're trying to do. And don't tell me that trotting out a bunch of native peoples, you know, who happen to agree with you because you gave them money again in front of everybody whenever there's a national TV audience is something that's going to be uh, reasonable. And that's the other part of this whole color change thing is that I'm not trying to have this team pivot to suddenly trying to honor the Tuskegee Airmen, why would I trust a franchise that couldn't even be reasonable about how poorly they represented Native peoples beforehand to shift from that to suddenly some sort of beacon of hope for honoring black folks who were betrayed by our government? That doesn't even make sense. You've got to move to something that is benign at best. You don't get to go from dishonoring to honoring and expect people to think that that makes sense. It's a whole thing, and it just it's honestly kind of upsetting on some level because mm. – this is what I feared. I feared that if this change finally came, Snyder was just going to be like, here, take it. Fine. You know, and yeah. it was going to upset everybody when it was, in fact, the right thing to do all along. But he's so selfish because he doesn't understand, because that's what happens when you're a billionaire, that giving something up for the sake of people other than yourself is just not something that's in his DNA. And it's unfortunate because people do like that team. I like that team in this context. The people I know and grew up with care about Sundays because it's a family communal thing. That is the extent of it. I don't care if they win or lose. They normally lose. But 
if he doesn't think that he can get the community back, and by he, I mean Dan Snyder, by bringing everybody together for the right reasons, then he's wrong, you know? And he might end up paying the worst price in the world for this, which is maybe losing his team. There's a lot of stuff coming out soon, so we'll see. Yeah, I've been hearing these stories, Glenn, that's coming out about toxic uh, culture down in Washington, that, uh, you know, the name is not the only thing that needed to be changed, what's going on down there. I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating what I'm going to read. <laughs> I'm not going to speculate that on publicly on radio, to be very honest. Understood. I think it's going to be a very reasonable understanding if you follow the story of all of the what I'll just call extracurriculars that have existed around this franchise for over 20 years, I think you can put together a pretty good idea of what may happen. I'm just wondering how quickly and how harshly everybody is going to be forced to look at this. And, you know, that's that, man. I'm not looking forward to tomorrow, dog. Like, I'm not, you know, because I don't like Mm. how do I say this? I don't like people being embarrassed. However, I don't really have a huge issue with those who have abused folks from positions of power being forced to have their comeuppance. And, you know, it's not something to laugh at. It's not necessarily something to point and jeer at. But at this stage, it's certainly something to look at and understand and try to grow from. And we'll see what we can do this week with that regarding, um, you know, Washington football fans. Well, you know what they say, Clinton, what happens in the dark comes to light. It does. Uh, That's what I'm saying. And the dark (laughs) is not where it happened. Everybody knows. I you hear know, you. It's just a matter of whether or not they can connect the dots, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's the voice of Clinton Yates. He's co-host of the Intersection with L. Duncan on Thursday nights on ESPN Radio. You've seen him on Around the Horn. He's also a columnist for the Undefeated. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Clinton, let's talk a little Washington Nationals. How are you guys going to survive with Anthony Rendon playing for you know the Halos? I mean, not well. <laughs> you know, I mean, and this was kind of the whole thing with them winning it last year, and why I was so fired up about it because. This was their best chance, and they went up against a bunch of cheaters and managed to get it done anyway. I would have been so brokenhearted if this was the time that a D.C. team actually was up against it and a bunch of cheaters had taken it from them. It was that much more fulfilling, not because I have any problem with the Astros in general or because I am some sort of sacrosanct baseball fan, but it was that much more fulfilling to know that the Nationals got it done in the one place they could because they had an aging roster that had put a bunch of things together and they managed to get it done. Let's not forget how bad they were in May. You know, Rendon wasn't playing. Trey Turner wasn't playing. Your boy Rendon, who you just mentioned, comes back. Trey comes back. Team kicks it in gear. Howie Kendrick figures it out. Brian Zimmerman figures it out. And by the time that the big league moments come in the the playoffs, never mind the World Series, that team puts it together. So when Strauss made that comment, sometimes you're the buzzsaw. He's exactly right. You know, people were talking about firing Davey Martinez. And by people, I mean me. Because the team was that bad. They were kicking the ball around all over the infield. They couldn't manage to put anything together in terms of how the, how the bullpen built up to their lead guys. And they were losing runs before they even, even had a chance. They figured it out. That's a veteran team that took their shot. I just don't think the Nationals are going to be very good this year. And I'm not going to be that upset about it. It's an oddball year. They lost a bunch of guys. My own kid brother, who's 17 years old, high school baseball player, he sent me a, uh, what's it called, a scorecard lineup, a picture of it, that he had found from a game we had went to. He literally said, dude, Nobody in this lineup is on the team anymore. It was three years ago. It was wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I will say this, Clinton. Uh, your pitching staff gives you a fighting chance. Yeah, but I mean, like, what is a fighting chance at this point? You got a 60-game season. You got, a, you know, you got an oddball scenario in terms of how all of the health things are going to get juggled. I'm not saying that this season is a wash and I want it to be for the Nationals, but I'm not out here looking like, I'm going to be talking trash. Not that I do that anyway, but like, I don't think the Nationals are in a position to really be saying, oh, we got this and we got that. They lost 
major players. Yeah. And that's okay. You know why? Because you got that daggone commissioner's trophy in the office to prove it. Nothing wrong with that for me. How do you think players are going to deal with this? This 60 games in 67 days, extra innings a runner on second base, and all, all this craziness that Major League Baseball is trying to do. Look, on one hand, Clinton, if you're going to try some things, this will be the year to try it. But, I mean, just the whole idea of the, the pandemic here, you know, if Yankee fans are concerned. You've got DJ LeMay, who, who's out with the coronavirus. You've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, the closer, who's out with the virus yeah. as well. It's, you, know, you know somebody's going to get it during this season. You know. I don't love it, um, and the main reason I don't love it is simply because of how Major League Baseball has treated everything else around the game from a personnel standpoint. You bang out the minor leagues, and you basically tell everybody who's a pro player or amateur player coming up at this point, well, we don't know what your future is. That's an issue. You know why? Because when all these guys go down, if they do, well, how do you plan on replacing your ranks if nobody else is playing baseball? You know, I mean, the minor league system is not just some joke that has goofy marketing concepts for people to show up in the middle of nowhere. The minor league system is a legitimate developmental system for the major leagues. And so if that doesn't exist, you have an instruction factor that when you have people coming up and coming through the system, if they haven't done the work they need to do to become major league quality players, well, then the product goes down at the top flight. And that's an issue. So, you know, how they're going to deal with it is I don't really know because it's basically like, Forget about Corona. You get a basic baseball injury, you ain't making it back in a 60-game season. You know, there's just not enough time and there's not enough way to treat all of these guys if these things should come down. So when you have an abbreviated, well, not abbreviated, but you have an ex- sort of a delayed summer camp, spring training, you know, the way injuries work out between weather and travel and just people being freaked out, like, I think it's going to be a little bit ugly. I don't know if the – look, I'm not saying they're not going to get through it, but there's going to be a lot of guys that people have never – ever heard of contributing <laughs> in baseball games and that's fine except for the fact that like i think the quality is going to be noticeably different that's the one big thing mm. people forget about major league baseball the dudes are really really good you yeah. know and when that changes it's much more noticeable than folks realize and that's going to be the 2020 season in my opinion. all right clinton time for a shameless plug what do you and l duncan have cooking on the intersection tomorrow night we got a lot about this football team obviously coming. We're also going to talk about the situation that's going down in the bubble. Let's not forget about the NBA in Orlando. We've got different people that are trying to get their social justice messages out. LeBron has opted out of wearing something on his jersey, but at the same time, guys like Kyle Korver are wearing Black Lives Matter on the back. We also got the snitch line, which is kind of funny, but I don't really care about that. But overall, I think that what we're going to talk about is how the NBA is going to move forward with what we thought and what we understood were going to be their messages of protest for what the rest of America is. Now, personally, I'll tell you this quickly. Lastly, I don't mm-hmm. need protest to make a point regarding symbolism. You know, Cal Corver is a perfect example of that. However, what each guy chooses to do, what each team chooses to do, I'm very interested in seeing once these games get started because they're all there together, together, which means their brain trust will be building a little bit more as individuals in the same place. And I'm, I'm happy about that. I like the fact that if nothing else, these brothers get to look each other in the face doing their job in the same place at the same time now that 2020 is 2020 in America, and I think they'll all be better for it. I agree. And, and you know, there's strength in numbers, and especially if they can communicate and be on, on the same page. Yeah, you can have some disagreements, but agree on the same page to have one message. It's powerful, Clinton. It could be powerful. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, look 2020 is a wash, like overall, you know, and so – what happens with any season, presuming we get out of it from a healthy standpoint and guys don't have their careers cut off or somehow changed because, you know, they just rushed back to play any sport at all. 
that's just going to be a win for me, man. I'm just looking out for all, not just the guys I know, but just for every single person that's involved from a, you know, trainer, front office, whatever standpoint, all the way on up. And that includes agents. That includes families. I just hope that we can all get through this and not have everybody be permanently damaged because we decided for one year we couldn't just let it go. That is really, really what I'm hoping for. And, you know, that's what I'm doing my best to preach. I hear you. Clinton, listen, continue the great work that you're doing on all the platforms on ESPN, and we'll talk to you soon. All day, fam, whenever you need me. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>